A one, two, two three, four. T to G to I to F to T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. T to G to I to F to T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first Friday. Hello, everybody. I am Brother Luke Rowicki. No, you are not. You I are. am Deacon Luke Rowicki. Oh, my goodness. Deacon Luke Rowicki. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for getting used to. And I'm Brother Andrew Tory. How's everybody doing out there? This is TGIF. F. And we are coming to you uh, from two remote locations. So I am in Dallas, Texas with my family. And I am in Traverse City, Michigan with my family. And we were together last weekend for uh, a very exciting event, which was the diaconate ordination. So seven seminarians were made deacons, and I was blessed to be one of them. And so our favorite co-host, Brother Andrew Torrey, was present with his brother, amazing. Nick. It was so beautiful. And yeah, just many fr family and friends. It was an incredible weekend that's hard to put into words, but we're going to try to put that into words, among other themes. But today's title, theme, um, exciting issue is tension. Um, because you need a little tension, attention. That's right. We need to have, we need to pay attention to where we see tension or sense. Uh, yeah, there, there's, there's some like struggle happening in my life or in the world around me. We can think, oh, that's bad. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We're going to talk about it. Right. That tension we feel personally that we see around us in the church that, um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about those things in the world around us and our families. Um, I don't know, Brother Andrew, do you want to describe like what what is tension according to you or according to Romano Guardini or according to any of the things that you've studied? <laughs> That's right. Well, before we go into that tension, maybe we can um, you restate one of our, one of our mission our mission here in TGIFF is to apply the Dunque hermeneutic, right? And all of our seasoned listeners already know what that is. But if we have any new folks tuning in today, the Dunque hermeneutic is simply looking at my life with God's eyes. That's what it is. Um, where there's a what, there's a why. Exactly. Because things happen in our life all the time. Events, um, responsibilities, tragedies, difficulties. Uh, moments of happiness, moments of sadness, et cetera, et cetera. And there's always some deeper meaning that we can find in these in these events. And a hermeneutic is a way of interpreting something. It's a technical term. You can look it up. Um, but basically it means a, a way of looking at, well, a way of interpreting something. And the word dunque in Italian means um, so or therefore or what's the big deal type of thing. So it's like taking a step back, looking at my life and saying, hey, so what's the big deal? What's the, what's happening in this situation? How is God speaking to me? Amen. And so we want to apply that uh, always in our lives, right? Because a life worth living is a life that is reflected upon. And Socrates. Exactly. Or uh, Andrew Torrey, right? Or sure. somebody, somebody famous. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I must have read it somewhere. <laughs> so tension. Is tension always a bad thing? I don't know. Brother Luke, what do you think? Is it, is it always something that we need to avoid or is it good sometimes? Or what is it, what is it when we're tense? Like what's going on in our soul? 
So it makes me think of our favorite parable at TGIFF. Our favorite. <laughs> which is the wheat and the weeds. So this parable that we know is um, the, the sower, the farmer plants his crops. Things seem like they're going well. All of a sudden when they start to grow and they've been watered and everything, when they start to grow, all of a sudden there's all these other things growing like weeds and nasty things. And so the workers of the farm go to the go to the farm and they say, Hey, what should we do? Should we pull up all the, pull up all the weeds, all the bad stuff, all the things that are, that are causing problems that might be a danger to the crops that we're trying to plant. And he says, no, wait until harvest. And then we'll do the separating. Like, so that could be in our lives. Like harvest could be at the end of time, or it could be, you know, in your last moment here on earth. Um, but for some reason, for some mysterious providential reason, Christ in that, parable is trying to tell us that not all tension is bad there is there are difficulties and uh there are obstacles that we're called to overcome but that's not necessarily a bad thing where there's obstacles there's growth where there's tension there's learning experiences learning opportunities where um i would rather have things differently there's an opportunity for humility for trusting in god and so that's what we want to talk about here on this episode, because I think all of us have tension. Uh, we have ideals and then we have reality. We have um, our plans and then we have how things actually turn out. And so, yeah, Brother Andrew, I would say that kind of putting it, frame, framing it with that, our favorite parable at TJFF helps to shed light. <laughs> exactly. And so, so... So, brother, let's 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 apply this. Um, let's apply these ideas immediately. You were just ordained a transitional deacon of the Catholic Woo! Church. Now, I imagine that um, you know you've been you and I joined together the Legion twelve years ago, and it's been an amazing journey. And I'm so grateful to have known you and all the guys we joined together. It's God has been so good. Um, but I imagine there have been moments of tension, you know, and maybe even maybe even still today in your vocation, you know, you still you know, go through those moments. How do you reconcile your, the ideals that you have of being this holy priest, you know, after the heart of Jesus to bring God's mercy to others and like the, the, the day-to-day meat and potatoes, flesh and bones reality of what life actually is. How do you, how do you reconcile those two things? So one of, one of the prayers or not prayers, it's so that the Saturday, the ordination mass, there's a moment where the bishop who is going to lay his hands on the seven of us, on those being ordained. And um, before he does that, to make sure that we are conscious of what we're doing and we're ready and willing as, as much as we can be, he has a series of questions. And so to answer your question, the last question he asks us, we said, I do to each of these questions. So oh, it's like a marriage. It's like a, that's, that's so cool. I, I thought, I thought of that as well. Um, reflect on that as well, that uh, yeah, it's, it's similar. It's, this very it's voluntary decision it's a commitment it's personal i do and yeah it's very similar to marriage because we do become spouses of the church and we give our entire hearts to christ and one of the questions goes something like this he says do you resolve to conform your way of life always according to the example of christ okay so are you always going to be forever like in every moment of your life and we say i do but but we say i do with the help of god and so i don't think i think all of us were nervous 
actually talking to some of the other fellow brothers that were um, ordained deacons, um, it, they all said, yes, I was nervous. One of them was having like stomach issues in the morning. Oh, no. um, just like, yeah, you're tense. You're tense because you walk into that church and you're still, I'm still me. I'm still uh, very limited and I have, I'm impatient and I, um, I get distracted in my prayer. And then, then he asked, the bishop asked you a question like that. Like, how can I possibly answer that with confidence and say, yeah, I'm ready to be ordained unless it's with the help of God. And so that is, I think, fundamental. Like you asked me, like, how do I deal with that tension? I think it's fundamental uh, to realizing that, uh, yeah, our vocation, no matter what it is, if it's to marriage or being a spouse, spouse, spouse and husband or wife, or if it's to being a, a priest or a religious consecrated person, uh, to be able to say I do, even in a marriage, is impossible. Even if your spouse is the perfect spouse, there's going to be moments where it's difficult. In our case, our spouse is perfect. Yeah. So if there's a problem, it's not his fault. <laughs> exactly. In in marriage, um, as perfect as your spouse is, they're still human, so they're going to have you know moments of limitations. But how do two limited person uh, people say I do for, till death do us part? Unless there's a grace there, and that is the sacrament of matrimony. And if like you've ever wondered why why is matrimony a sacrament? What's the difference between sacrament of matrimony and just a civil union civil marriage it's that that christ is is offering you this special grace mm-hmm. to this this natural desire to commit your life to someone in love with the help of god but with the help of god it's that same i do with the help of god um and yeah it's it was a beautiful experience i don't know brother andrew how did you live this past weekend knowing that you i mean you're very close you're just two years away right and, I, 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 you know, I, so it's obviously I was in a very different way, right? Because it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. I was, because, so I wasn't, I wasn't feeling stressed at all. I was, I was just joyful. I was, uh, it was beautiful to see the witness of all these men, you know, laying down their lives um, for the church, for me, uh, for souls. It was beautiful to see all of the families and friends and people who were there at the ordination, whose lives had been affected by each, each one of you who were ordained. Or maybe he didn't know any of you and were just invited and just randomly there and had no idea what was going on. I mean, that happens a lot too. <laughs> but um, but I was just so happy because it was a it was a torrent of graces that were overflowing, uh, um, not only for the men who like yourself who were ordained, but for everybody present and for the peoples whose lives will be affected in the future, right? By by the sacred character that was imprinted on your soul, right? And so it was a very joyful experience and it was, it was, there was no tension for me. I mean, the tension was like every, everywhere I looked uh, during, I was like, I knew somebody. And so it was like, I, once you look at somebody and you have icon, it's like, Oh, now I need to talk to that person. Right. And, and so, but I mean, that was, that that because was you're the co-host of a famous podcast oh, or of course, of course. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I had to, I had to decline many, many autographs, but, um, but that's okay. You know? Yeah. You know, it happens. So, um, but so I had I had a similar moment of tension when I was when I was um, when I did my perpetual vows last year. Um, and so I was going through, you know, like perpetual vows in a religious order is like, OK, this is like the final moment where the order says, OK, you've tried this for so many years. We accept you and you want to be accepted. You, you say yes. OK. All right. Go ahead. Um, Life commitment. 
Exactly. It's a lifelong commitment and uh, similar to an ordination, um, but an ordination um, is different from a perpetual, from um, making perpetual vows because those who make perpetual vows are in a religious community, right? Whereas those who receive, men who receive ordination aren't necessarily members of religious orders, right? But anyways, I was going through this commitment, this final discernment process, and I remember writing my letter saying, you know, I, Andrew Tory, freely, you know, wish to be admitted into the Legion for the rest of my life. And, uh, and this, that, this, that, and the other, sincerely, uh, you know, Andrew Tory. And so I remember writing that in the last, I remember I was in the chapel in the, in the seminary in Rome. I was in the last row on the very far right. Um, and I, 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 I sat in the back and I was writing my letter and I just felt, I felt tension in my body, like physical. I felt my stomach like sort of like not up because I knew this was like, okay, this is like, this is like crossing the Rubicon. It's like, this is like your, there's no going back, you know? Um, and I, and that's, and so looking at that, how do we tell if the tension that you experience is good or bad? Cause this is what we kind of want to know, you know, for our own lives. Like, is this tension I'm experiencing, is this, this a good thing? Should I resist it? Um, I think it was, I think looking back, I think it was good to experience that tension because it's, it is a, just like entering into mar a marriage covenant. Um, it is, it's a very sacred thing and you don't take those steps lightly right um everybody knows that even people even people today who live together or who don't get married they know that um they're, they're, they're sort of there's could be sort of a fear of commitment right because they know when you make a commitment it's like this is a commitment you know um and so that's was sort of what i was experiencing but at the same time in my letter when i when i when i wrote it like sort of mimicking um what your sentiments were where you ordained um Deacon Luke, um, I, I I wrote in my letter, you know, you know, I'm aware that um, I of my weakness. I'm aware that the devil uh, tempts me. I'm aware that um, I have many limitations, but I know that Jesus is with me and that the Mother of God is is on my side, and and uh, and that and so I can do this. Um, yes, because of that, not not because of <laughs> not because of any talents or whatever that we have. Right? Um, so. That just proves to me that sometimes tension is good. Yes. Yeah, and I, I remember last year my for my perpetual profession as well, uh, had like a little mini crisis, which I think we've talked about in our one of our previous episodes was all about crises. Oh, uh, yeah. And um, but a similar thing because uh, my spiritual director in Rome, Father David Abad, I think are both of our or yours as well, right? That's right. He's amazing. Yes. And he would always tell me just, Hey, that's like, a lot of times I would go to him and say, father, I'm like, this is still happening. And I'm, I'm getting nervous about it. I'm worried about it. Or I have these doubts. And he would always just remind me, Hey, that's just your personality. Like you have to, you have to kind of learn to accept yourself and accept as you are. So I love what you said about like in a sacred decision like this, when you're deciding something so important and valuable, there obviously is going to be tension. And that's probably a good thing because you just don't take it. Otherwise you'll take it lightly. And then maybe in a couple of years down the line, you're just just kind of throw it off, just wipe it off your shoulder like it was nothing. Well, no, like when you take something seriously, then it does weigh on you a little bit more. And, um, but at the same time, maybe getting into some other like personal tensions that we might feel like stress at work or things like that. There's also an aspect of just accepting who you are. And so in my, in my uh, case, I think I stress or like just let doubts like circle around my head more than I should 
when I know and I have uh-huh. peace about the decision, and then the devil who doesn't want men deciding to be holy priests and striving for that ideal, uh, the world in the sense of like, um, like maybe these, these values that are kind of superficial or it's just like, like those values also don't help us because they put into our mind kind of other ideals or not even ideals, but just um, shortcuts or um, comfort zones kind of thing that, that we start to, uh, that's, oh, that seems attractive. And if you just let those things speak to you, you're, it's going to cause, at least in my, in my experience, like, yeah, certain doubts that even start to speak to you like loudly. And they seem to have like, they seem to be pulling you in a certain direction. And so like, that's all discernment. That's, um, like, okay, discovering what is God's voice in my life, you know, dunque hermeneutic, as we said. And that's what helps so much at the end of the day to stop and ask yourself, okay, was this voice or was this attraction or this, uh, tension? Was that caused, was that coming from God's voice? Was that coming from mine, my mind, my doubts, my personality? Was it coming from, uh, yeah, even like a conversation I had, some article I read, some movie I watched, some song I heard. Like there's all these different voices around us and. That's why you need a little. Attention, attention. And that's what we're going to try to make happen in this episode. So, um, I don't know, stress at work is a good one, but I kind of want to talk about, because I know that Andrew has some interesting reflections, on tradiciones custodes, motu proprio, popres, fresh, hot off the press. There's a tension here, and so I'll introduce it, if you don't mind, but Andrew, then I'll... You yeah, can... tell us, yeah, some people are like, there. what's that Latin phrase that you said, or what language is that? Like, what is, what's going on, Brother Luke? Man, these scenarios from Rome are just too smart for me. <laughs> so... Uh, I know none of our listeners actually talk like that. And if you do, hey, you. we may have some people in Idaho. We have to respect. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this uh, motu proprio is like is a letter that the that the Pope wrote, an official document of the Church, um, kind of laying down, uh, I guess, like a regulation or like a a way of um, that the Church is going to proceed in a certain matter. And the matter is this time um, the celebration of the Latin Mass and connected to that but like kind of it seemed like a side note and so you can correct me there but like any any liturgical celebrations according to the former rite which is pre-vatican II, sometimes called the um what's well, like the tridentine mass or it's called the extraordinary form because the ordinary form became this post-vatican II liturgical um like the rituals and things okay so the, the matter is um the issue is the ma- can the can the Latin Mass or extraordinary form Tridentine rite be celebrated or not? And okay, so Pope Francis has put some regulations down and said the bishop should approve anyone that celebrates these masses. There should be um, certain priests assigned, but making sure that they're ones that respect the Novus Order, the new way of celebrating Mass. Which maybe the biggest difference is that it's said in the vernacular, but there are also small liturgical things that make. The extraordinary form more attractive to some people because there's more solemnity. There's maybe more, there's uh, symbolism used that's not included in the new or new way of celebrating the mass. Um, and so there's a tension because as, as I'm even talking, like maybe there's, yeah, there's differences, but it doesn't mean necessarily that one's better or one's worse. And in this, this motu in this communication from Pope Francis has caused a stir because maybe the way he communicated it, but what I want to talk about with you, but Andrew, get your feedback is maybe how this tension is good for the church today. How is it and or can it be and how? And then um, 
Yeah, what, what would you give to some person who on on the flip side, like the internally is having tension, accepting this this new teaching or this new uh, regulations been set down? What would you say? Right. Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing is to like. Like let's 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 forget for a moment about the Latin Mass. Let's forget about what this document is about, and let's take a step back. Um, whenever something happens in the church, say it's Pope Francis, for instance, or I don't know, maybe my local bishop's given problems or whatever, and there's there, there's a thought that forms in your idea in your in your mind. Um, this event that just happened is not good. Therefore, I resist it. And therefore, I experience a lack of peace, and I'm frustrated. Um, so it can be about many different things. It could be about, it could be just anything, anything, anything that happens. It doesn't have to be in the church. It could be in your life, right? Um, and so it's important when you experience tension to take a step back and analyze um, the presuppositions that allow that tension to take place. So what do I mean by presuppositions? Well, I mean the the sort of little um, ideas or rules that govern the way I think. So I look at a situation and I say, this is wrong. This is right. Whatever. This is beautiful, whatever, because I'm basing it on, on, on ideas that I already have. Right. So for example, let's, let's apply that to somebody who doesn't like this new document that the Pope, uh, issued. Um, I'm not, who, this isn't a generalization, but this is like maybe one person, right? So maybe one person, um, believes that um, the the Latin Mass, the old way, the older way of celebrating the Mass, which was um, changed uh, 50 years ago with Vatican II, the older way is the best way of celebrating the Mass, and it is the best way of celebrating Mass that we should always we should always um, promote and emphasize in the Church today. So that's that's a that's a sort of like a presupposition that somebody believes in. Um, this new document comes in. The Pope is limiting the use of the old Latin Mass, um, and therefore I judge the I judge that this action of the Pope is wrong. It's and it's and it's bad, and I don't like it. And it's it causes me to struggle with going to Mass. It causes me to struggle with um, the way I understand um, the role of the Pope and the Church, etc. And and maybe even physically, it gives me like stomach problems, whatever, you know? Mm. Um, so it's always important to go, like, take a step back and like, what's, what's governing my conscience? What's governing my heart? What are the ideas in my heart? Because some of them might not be good. Um, if somebody, for example, um, this is the way I look at it. So I read the document and I thought, wow, you know, some of the Pope's language is, you know, is pretty tough in some of the, some of the places. Um, he's very, he can come across as severe, right? Um, but I know that like today's gospel passage, today's gospel passage actually was about the role of Peter. Um, and it was, it was great because it's Matthew 16, 18, you know, you are Peter on this rock. I'm, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so for me, any struggle that I have with the Pope um, and I'm not saying I have struggles with the Pope. I, I mean, I love Pope Francis. I mean, I, I mean, I maybe you know disagree with a few few ways of of you know style, whatever. Um, but I love Pope Francis. He's he's helped me so much in in my future priesthood. Anyways, so maybe I look at I look at this document that the Pope has written, and I say, okay, I know that the Pope is the vicar of Christ, and I know X, Y, and Z things I don't like about the Pope. Okay, but I believe that Jesus 
acts through the Pope. And I believe even that uh, the Pope can make human mistakes. I'm not saying that this was a mistake on the Pope's. I mean, I, how can I say that? Because the Pope has a much higher perspective than I do, right? Um, so I would say it's important for us not to lose faith uh, in human mediation, right? So somebody who is, is experiencing tension from this whole event, ah, the Pope is limiting the Latin mass. It's, oh, I'm worried about the future of the church. I'm worried about um, the, the, the holiness of the mass. I'm worried about, you know, the solemnity being lost. Well, what is the Pope saying? The Pope is saying um, some people are, are threatening the, the communion of the church with, their, with a divisive attitude. Some people, not everybody, some people. And so what the Pope wants is intention is to unite the church, to have greater communion, right? And he's also saying we need to um, make the, the new way of celebrating the mass. We need to make that, we need to, we need to correct, you know, bad ways of doing that. And we need to make it, we need to make it holy. Yes. Um, yes. And so, so I think that it's really important for us to, to, to hold on to those, to those fund foundational elements of our faith. You know, you're Peter on this rock, I'm going to build my church. That is so much more important than the solemnity of the mass as expressed in the Latin rite um, needs to be preserved at all costs. Um, no, that is not a, that is not, it's important, but that's not as important as believing that God acts through weak human instruments. Um, so I think that that's, that, that gives me peace. That gives me peace. I, I love that last, like, as you just, everything you said and you summed it up perfectly, um, I'll repeat as much as I understood um, which was that the unity and the the direction that the church is going, the fact that Jesus has chosen to institute the church on the rock of this man um, to use human mediation, this reality of what the church is is more important than one practice being preserved at all costs. Which kind of, I love that, and I think that already gives me peace because. It kind of shows like there's like a hierarchy of values in the church, like the whether a community received on the tongue or in the hand. Okay, one of them it seems like receiving on the tongue shows more reverence, shows um, greater piety, shows maybe a better understanding of the Eucharist. You're right. But someone that receives it on the hand is not necessarily a bad person, and like you can't judge that person. In the end, like small practices that aren't like make or break things should not be put on the same level as what you just said about human mediation in the church. The fact that Christ is the foundation. He is the true temple of God. Um, the dogmas of the church, like these, these things are essentials, essentials. And these other things are not necessarily essentials. And so that I hope, I don't know. I hope that gives peace to whoever's listening um, in the sense that the essentials of the church are protected through the human mediation, but ultimately because Christ, it's Christ's church. And so we can always have faith in that. And faith is also something that will help us kind of sift through tensions in our lives and say, okay, Duke way hermeneutic. I'm, I'm tense about the situation. What are those ideas or prejudices or presuppositions, either good or bad, whatever that we might have that you were mentioning, Brother Andrew? And then, okay, is that coming from God or is that coming from me? Or is this me holding on to something uh, that maybe God is asking me to let go of a little bit. Um, and I, so one of the, uh, a holy priest, 
holy legionary priest here in Dallas um, mentioned to my dad because this conversation was going around in in my my family as well. We're discussing it, and I I love that um, these kind of conversations. Yeah, and um, he said, "I'm not sure how many priests." today have read the introduction or the sorry the general instruction to the roman missal and i think that's what it's called the germ it's right. like a terrible acronym the <laughs> it's a terrible acronym <laughs> <laughs> so how many priests have read the germ and that is an issue because the novus ordo mass if there are abuses it's not it shouldn't define this the post vatican II um guidelines for how the mass can, should be celebrated in order to have the entire church and all those present participating fully and actively in what is happening. This beautiful mystery of the sacrifice of Christ on the altar on our behalf and our sacrifice as well as members of his body in a mystical way, in a very a way that we can't quite understand, but Christ has united each of us. That's happening in both in any mass, any valid mass, which is, you know, uh, now and nowadays, like an approved Latin mass or a, um, or Novus Order Mass, which would be you know in the vernacular, both in both realities, something incredibly amazing is happening. And so I was just thinking, you know, based on what this father was was getting at, is that I hope that this motu proprio, uh, this letter and these this teaching of the church coming out now, will help all priests to ask themselves, do I really understand what I'm doing? Because I think a lot of the abuses and different countries do things differently, and some are kind of just strange. I don't know when you go to another country and you like see like, Oh, they, you just like left out that prayer like that. I don't think that's correct. And hopefully yeah. all these, every one of us, you know, as future priests and then current priests return to the germ and return to this. <laughs> Sounds like a future TJFF title <laughs> return to the germ. <laughs> and I, I will say I, that could be good. I will say one of the things that I was maybe most tense about approaching the altar now as a deacon was there's like, there's, there's silent prayers that are said by a priest and also by the deacons and also by an acolyte, like an also by deacons, okay. Also by an instituted acolyte, like there's prayers that you should be saying as you're participating in the mass when you're doing certain liturgical acts. Um, so one of them is as the as the deacon is uh, preparing the chalice to again hand to the priest before he says, "Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation," through this, and he's presenting these gifts to God before the consecration. The deacon now, well, the deacon can help, so I can now put the water and the wine before the consecration, water and wine into the chalice. But I don't just do it without thinking. So the reason there's these silent prayers is because the, it helps the priest or deacon, whoever's ministering at the altar, to be conscious of what they're doing. Now, if you don't know the instruction to this Roman Missal, you might just leave those things out. You might think, oh, it's not important. It's not essential to the Mass. But the whole, I mean, what it, what is the point of the Mass if I'm just going through the motions? Like the Mass is still this amazing thing being celebrated Christ's prayer, the best, greatest prayer possible. I'm kind of just missing out on that, on those graces and on this reality. I'm just kind of blinded to it if I'm just not, like, yeah, going through the routine. And so these these silent prayers, one thing I was tense about was, okay, I need to learn all these silent prayers, but it was so beautiful to read that. The meaning behind these silent prayers is that we're more conscious, especially the priest celebrating the Mass, is more conscious of what is happening, what he's doing. When he has to whisper them, you know, yeah. kind of thing. He's washing his hands when the wine and the water um, before he receives communion himself. Like there's all these moments of of right. prayers where the priest will be whispering, and maybe you've, you've been. And sure, and also in the I know in the extraordinary form, there's even more moments like that. Sure. Yeah. Um. And so I think the more we understand 
the different parts of the mass more will appreciate both forms. And right. then and if, you know, at my parish, if things are done one way or another, hopefully I won't be so tense or so nervous or um, caught up in maybe what's not essential, realizing that what is essential, which is this beautiful sacrament, the institution of the Eucharist, is still being lived out completely. Yeah, I want to jump on an idea that you mentioned. Um, so like the like this priest, you say, you know, I hope that this um, document from the Pope will encourage priests to, you know, reflect on the way they celebrate the Mass. I think that points to really an essential idea in our faith, and that's that God is so provident and sovereign and fatherly that he can draw gems out of the worst situations he can he, he he draws when we say it you know mechanically he draws good out of evil right or he he draws um new life where we can only see you know darkness or difficulty um and that doesn't apply to um only things outside of the church that applies to things inside the church and so a tense an objectively tense situation like this new rule that the pope has issued it's it's caused a, a, a frustration you know in many corner, corners of the church um but does that does that mean that good things can't come out of this no um who knows what's going to come out of this maybe maybe it will be a cause of you know liturgical renewal you know like like the priest was saying in the lives of priests and that would be great you know <laughs> hopefully you know hopefully it is you know um maybe it'll be the cause of um you know, priests um, being more curious about the extraordinary form and saying, okay, how can I, what makes the extraordinary form of the mass so solemn? What, why do people go to it? Why, why, why are there like, you know, younger families and vocations? Like, why, why is that happening? How can I, how can I integrate those elements into the way I celebrate mass in my parish and the, and the new way, you know, the, the, uh, after Vatican II, how can I, how can I bring back the, you know, the bells and the smells? How can I, those elements that are, that are, you know, external, but they are important because, you know, we have a, we have a body and a soul, you know, so physical things are important. How can I, how can I do that? And back in my parish, um, short story, I'm visiting here at home in, in Traverse City and um, I, I'm from Louisiana, but my parents spend the summer here and the priest at the local parish, he's a wonderful priest. His name is Father Jarvis. Uh, he's very young. He's in his late thirties. He was at the NAC, so he he's, he he would do the legionary versus NAC um, uh, sports competitions in Rome um, that we often do every year, and and so he he is he is a very um, energetic, a very pious man, very very devoted to the liturgy, and he's he 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 integrates elements from the extraordinary form into the Novus Ordo, and so the way his vestments are, are more solemn. Um, that there's more silence. Um, he the, the the materials that he uses are very beautiful. Um, he we, we pray the prayer of Saint Michael at the end of each mass. So there's different moments of the mass. You know he he does only you know boy altar servers to encourage you know vocations, and so he and so this is a very beautiful and that which is a far cry maybe from what many people have seen. Um, you know like I, I mean thanks be to God I haven't seen too much too many, you know, weird masses, but maybe, maybe some of our listeners have. And, and I can say that, you know, the way that he is bringing sort of these two forms together is I think what the intention was um, of the liturgical renewal. And I hope that good things like this can continue to happen even as, you know, we walk through 
tensions of you know the Pope changing rules and then causing causing a stir. Um, let's let's not lose our peace and let's let's have faith that you know the waters will eventually settle. We'll be able to see a little bit more clearly and good things will will come out of this. Yeah, and if you're a listener as well, like hearing this, like this example of of this priest who has felt this call and who appreciates himself the liturgy so much, I'm sure that's the case for many of many of, of those listening. And maybe if this motu proprio, if this letter came to your chagrin and you're thinking, oh, well, I would, I would prefer, you know, that this wasn't happening. Instead, maybe, maybe ask yourself, okay, what can I do to foster this same piety and appreciation that I have for the liturgy in the context of where I'm at, whatever parish I go to, offering some study of the liturgy, taking up the this famous germ that we've been talking about, um, bringing in priests who you've seen that really appreciate the liturgy and having them explain to some of your friends or other prisoners. I don't know, these are ideas just coming to me now, but there's such a, um, the church is 2% clergy and 98% everyone else. You know, the faithful, um, whether you're part of different organizations or movements or groups or faithful parishioners, um, whoever you are, whatever category you find yourself, you are just as much a part of the church as as Brother Andrew and myself and any priest. And so all it's like all of our responsibility to safeguard this beautiful gift of the Mass that Christ has given us and to do that with faith in the human mediation that, that Christ has given us through the Pope and the bishops and the ministers, priests, clergy. Um, yeah, right. we, can't, we can't just, we can't just um, be happy with accepting tension and frustration like, oh, I don't like this or oh. No, let's let's be a little more mature. You know, come on, let's let's grow a little bit, okay? Let's let's look beyond the the human aspects of the. I'm, I'm thinking of somebody who's like frustrated with the Pope. I don't know, because um, I know I, I sometimes I've been or other people, and let's let's I'm when I when I experience that, okay, let, let, let's look beyond the human elements that that he has that maybe you know whatever, and let's see, okay, what is the intention that he, that are behind these actions? How can I how can I promote that because this is this is a man who is at this hour of history is, is leading us yes and we can't just take the easy path of saying oh i don't like this no we're we're called to be weaned from these types of squabbles you know we need to start drinking you know the milk you know eating solider foods going you know growing in our faith okay what is the pope getting at here okay i don't like Number two, th- numbers two and three of this document. Okay, but what does he say in four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve? You know, like what can we, what can we do to, you know, he's leading the church. How can we support him? You know, and the uh, we we talked about this in a previous podcast because I read the 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 book, the Benedict Option, and just thinking, okay, there's an ideal like community life. Like we look back to the Acts of the Apostles, and maybe like from we get glimpses of this just perfect community where everything was shared in common, everyone's you know, just happy go lucky and like celebrating and praying together and all of one accord and the Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit's like shaking our the houses of these. Okay. Yeah. And then so we can think, okay, well maybe the solution is just I go away from anything that's bad and and like any any traces of evil. I'm gonna totally avoid that, go live in my own little closed area. But the book, it doesn't actually say that. Like I think the people get like a maybe a sound bite from this this idea of Benedict option and think Ah, the, the only way that we can survive in the church is like going off to some distant remote area it's on top of some mountain and living our faith out away from the world. No, the whole book I love because it said it was like, how can I create a Catholic culture where I am? 
right? And there's so there's a lot of realism in like saying like, hey, there's the church is under attack in a lot of ways because of the values that are being pushed today in our society and by the government and politics and everything. A lot of ways. So it's realistic, but at the same time, it's realistic to say, hey, there are millions of opportunities in today's world in my neighborhood to create a Catholic culture to like celebrate instead of just birthdays and New Year's Eve and Halloween, you know, to celebrate the major feast days of the year and like to celebrate this, the saint that your kid is named after to celebrate. um, Yeah. Like find creative ways to like teach your kids the faith to teach, to like bring your friends together and like learn what is, why the church calendar is the way it is. Yeah. You could get like, like um, saint dinner placemats, for example, you know, (sighs) Did you have those? No. Did you? <laughs> no, but it sounds like a good idea. You could trade. <laughs> in our house, we had a, a, my favorite placemat was um, the solar system. It had like facts about like how far the sun, it, sun, sun is from the earth and Jupiter and Saturn. It was really cool. I saw it every day. The big yellow one's the so, sun. Yeah. It's 93 million miles away, I think. Well, you better get that placemat back out to check. I know. Uh, <laughs> So I hope I hope this this episode has I know it's it it helped me so I I think that's already a gift but hopefully it can help others to learn how whatever tensions we're experiencing in our lives and in the church and in the world around us to see okay it's not all bad there is there are these elements of um like this idea that we want to see realized and then there's reality and there's like the saint I want to be and then the person I'm looking at in the mirror right now and these tensions all invite us to something like ask yourself, what is that something yeah. maybe this, this month, like tr- take, take, um, August to ask yourself, what is that something that God wants to tell me in the tensions I have in my family and my personal life. And, the, and I see around me. Cause you need a little tension, attention. Hey, you changed the jingle there. It was I'm different. Sorry. I'm sorry, but that was like the finale one. So it had to be a little. All right. Well, since you were just <laughs> ordained, we'll, we'll accept that. Ah, uh, thank you. Thank you. Maybe not, but, uh, all right, but Andrew, any last words on, um, dealing and having attention with tension, uh, to our, for our listeners? Let's just not, let's not be afraid of when we have problems. You know, I remember a, um, there was an event in the Vatican. Um, it was about some, I think it was about young people. It was a couple of years ago. It was, it was yes. called a synod. It was a gathering and everybody was like complaining about like locations and et cetera. And, Maybe I'm making this up, but I remember, but I do remember that there, that there was this event in the Vatican and people were complaining and then, but then an an African bishop came uh, to the mic and started speaking. And he said, in Africa, we do not have problems. We have opportunities. And I just remember that because it was like, so in Africa, we don't have problems. We have opportunities, right? Wow. it just flips the whole way of looking at it. Um, so, was that accent can, really African? Yeah, he he was he was an African an what African accent right now. What? <laughs> it was not- a totally African accent. That was a total African accent. We'll have to ask our African listeners to corroborate my claims. <laughs> but um, yeah, so just flip flip the way you look at the look at your tensions. Don't be afraid of of tensions, um, because that's part of life. It's part of the the tension that we always have between idealism and realism. Um, but don't, don't be afraid. I love that. I love that. So 
with that, folks, we are going to send send you off. Um, I can give you my deacon blessing. Yes, please. I just read your mind. Okay. Exactly. So, um, dear Lord, I ask you to bless Brother Andrew, my co-host, to bless his family, to bless all of our listeners and the intentions they have in their hearts and the things that they are might be struggling with in this moment, um, to please watch over them, hear their prayers, and respond to them with your love and your grace and your providence. May Almighty God bless all of you in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, Amazing. all of our listeners, we do not just do. We do quay. God bless. What was that? What was that? TGIFM. Oh, what was that? Two brothers in row. What was that? What was that? TGIFM. Oh, what was that? It's a double F, not a singular F. TGIFF Instagram is TGIFF dot pod squad. Facebook, Instagram, Internet, all over.